Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. Before I jump into this message today, I want to do kind of a final wrap-up kind of report on the Nathan Initiative. And so if you're newer with us, uh, in the last two years, we've we've done a two-year giving generosity initiative, discipleship initiative that we did that helped us uh, do a a number of different things, but one of them is being here in this room, which for 30 years sat empty as a cafeteria, an, an abandoned cafeteria, and we bought the building back in 12 and then uh, just have just now, just by God's grace, getting around to, to doing this. And it's really, uh, I'm just thrilled to, to share some of these numbers with you. So in the last two years, we were able, by God's grace, to raise $4.9 million. Yes. Um, that is, that is uh, unprecedented in the history of the church. We just celebrated just a week ago or so 29 years that, uh, that we, since we started this church, uh, all those years ago. And uh, so, so that, that's actually like $2 million more than any other two-year period in the history of the church. So it's like way, way more. And we had over 1,000 households give during this time. Uh, it could be households or singles, you know, units, over 1,000. And the cool thing is that over 300 of those, 347, were first-time givers to the church. And so our whole deal was... Our primary objective in this is discipleship and growing people in generosity. So that's like a massive win for us. Can we just celebrate that? Yeah, that's, a, that's a big deal. And uh, we just, uh, so that, that 4.9 million represents 90% of our total commitment that we made back in the beginning a couple years ago. That, that's, that's exciting. So 90%. And during COVID, it's actually really amazing. It's really amazing that during COVID, all of that was able to happen. In fact, churches our size during COVID saw on average a 19% decrease in giving and generosity. We actually had a 70% increase during the same time. Antioch, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you around this room and online. Everybody that's not able to be here today, thank you. This is, it's huge. Uh, if you'll remember our original kind of by faith goal was 7 million. That was our secondary numbers goal that involved operations and things we wanted to do in the city and in the nations. And part of it was to build out this room in the kids area. It was what used to be our old auditorium. And uh, so you might ask the question, well, if our deal was 7 million, does that mean we're taking on 2 million that's in debt or something? And the answer to that is no, because, because we actually spent less. <laughs> We thought we would spend that amount, but we actually spent significantly less as well. So that's cool. A lot of that has to do with things we didn't do because of COVID, you know, that kind of thing. So we were, when COVID did hit, right about the time we were supposed to jump into all this, I mean, it really sent us seeking the Lord in a big time way. And so we felt like everybody's pressing in, life group leaders, elders, staff, pressing in Lord. And we felt like the Lord was saying, go for it. You know, let's pull the trigger, let's do this. And because we started when we did, a series of events happened one after the other. One of them was 
The demand was down so much for meeting on regular Sundays that we were able to go from what was proposed to be a three-phase process of construction and go to just a one-phase. We met in the parking lot. We met over in the venue. But when we went to one phase, that saved us $250,000 in the, in the construction costs. One of our, the main contractors with Birch also told us, had we not started when we did, if we had waited longer to start, the project would have cost $700,000 more with, with really even unknown costs because of supply chain issues that are still going on. And so, again, thank you. Thank you, Lord. I mean, we're just like praising the Lord about that. Um, just huge. Another deal is we do have some debt moving forward. And so um, just, you know, so everybody be generous. Let's keep going. But here's the cool thing about the debt that we have is, again, churches our size on average have 25 to 30% debt. We're going to have 5% debt moving forward and just paying that off. It's, it's something to really be excited about because, I mean, a lot of us, even in our personal families, don't have... 5% debt related to our house or, you know, whatever. So what that's done, though, is it's hit the accelerator for us being able to move forward. We were kind of stuck, you know, just in that small room, and, and uh, I love the size of this room. You know, it's still us. It's, it's bigger, but it's still intimate, and uh, just the river is going to be flowing here. So one of the key questions we've been being asked is, how are we doing now? And the answer to that is, we're doing great. Like, your generosity is helping us to move forward into 2022 as well, and we're excited about looking into the future. Nathan, the initiative, that word is a Hebrew word. Again, if you weren't around, it just means to give. And the way we applied that, it's used over 1,800 times in the Old Testament. And the way we've been applying that is that we want to be consecrated, set apart, given to God and given for others. And so it's not just a one-time thing that we did back in the past. We actually want to be a Nathan people, given to God and given for others moving forward. Thank you, Antioch. Such wonderful news to be standing here on the tail end of what all we've gone through, the hard stuff, and just say, thank you, Lord. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Yeah, Father, thank you so much for just the way uh, your heart is revealed in Jesus in the incarnation, to, to, for you so loved the world that you gave. And Lord, you've called us to be followers of Jesus who live in that same way, given to you, consecrated, set apart, and given in our lives for others. And we want to be that. We thank you for how you've moved in and through us during these days in the everyday sphere, in our, the spheres of our lives, in the cities, in the city, but also, Lord, in the nations. We love you. We give you praise for what you've done and say, Amen. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Isn't that fun? Just, yeah. So today is uh, the next part of this series called this little series starting off the year, Life on the Way, and just life together on the way. We're on a journey uh, together, and so I, sometimes I'll do this with a series. It just kind of helps pull the pieces together because these words all came out of kind of an elder prayer time. A couple weeks ago, we were waiting on the Lord and heard these different words, behold Jesus, overflowing, gentle and tender, and uh, planted and growing. And so the way I'm throwing that into one sentence is that life on the way is about beholding Jesus who reveals the overflowing God who's gentle and tender, and he wants us to abide in him. John 15 is where we'll finish this thing up before Nation Sunday on February 6th. So uh, whew, I feel like I'm I did, I did have a little bit of extra coffee. I, 
It just, I, I'm confessing. It's about that much. And, uh, but it's not much. Angie saw. It's not, not that much. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, so we have this word, overflow, which is, um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just interesting that I'm up here trying to preach the word called overflowing about God this week. I've had a hard week. I've had a lot of stuff happen that would makes this kind of like I'm preaching out of my weakness and not out of my strength today. So um, God is an overflowing God, and that doesn't change whether I'm feeling it or not. He is an overflowing God. We're going to talk about that. He is an overflowing, nonstop, never-ending fountain of goodness and life and light and love. I, was, uh, I, I don't know why I did this. You guys may all know this, but uh, I was like... How does Niagara Falls always have all that water going over it? I mean, don't they have like some dry spells and stuff? And, you know, and I, I just never connected the dots. And I looked on Google Maps. I was like, how long is that Niagara River anyway? And I, does everybody already know this? Okay, so I looked on the, on the map and Niagara River's only like, it's only like so long and it connects two great lakes. So like the source of the Niagara, the Niagara River is Lake Erie, <laughs> St. Lawrence River, the Atlantic Ocean, nonstop, never-ending source flowing over the Niagara. And so that's a really great, it really empowers what I say. May you be filled with the nonstop, never-ending Niagara of God's love. Like, like, it's such a picture in the natural of how God wants to fill us with rivers of living water. And you may remember that I, I was, yeah, it's just been an interesting little run here uh, at the start of the year. And, and last week, about a week and a half ago, um, I was, again, kind of dry, and I was in some time with the Lord, and I just was looking to Jesus, and out of the blue, I heard this phrase, can your emptiness outlast my fullness? And, and I thought, man, that encouraged me so much. And I thought that was such a great last week word, and I thought that was like, that was the end of it. I did. So I've needed it again this week. And uh, he's so good. So last week, beholding Jesus, this week, overflowing. Look at John chapter 20, right at the end of the letter, the gospel. John 20, verses 30 and 31. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. Verse 31, but these are written, Gospel of John, it's written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So you, you know this from, if you've been around a little bit, you know that when we see Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that's code for Father, Son, Holy Spirit. To say Jesus is the Christ, that means anointed one in the Holy Spirit, the Son of God. He's always been the Son, the eternal Son of the eternal Father in their shared love and anointing and communion in the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's like really good news. That's what John, not just believe that Jesus died for you. Yes, he did that, but that he actually wants to bring you into the beauty and sweetness of the fellowship of the relational God of love, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That, you know, like you got all that out of that? Yeah, <laughs> and more. You'll never get to the end of it. Talk about the nonstop, never-ending cosmic, beautiful love that's shared between the Father and Son from before creation. 
wow. It's just like, wow, it's so good. You know, so here's the thing, main thing. One, put in a sound bite. God is an overflowing fountain of life, love, and light. And he wants us to be filled and overflowing people in 2022. 2022, amen. So here we go. Let's jump into this. We want to see, first of all, the overflowing God. Then we'll talk about being overflowing people. So God is an overflowing fountain of goodness. Isn't that just bring joy to your heart to think about? God didn't run out. You know, I run out. I get empty. I get tired. I get worn down. My tanks go low. God doesn't run out. He's the nonstop, never-ending source of peace and goodness and life. In John chapter 17, verse 3, this talking about this life. He's, this, he's life. Uh, he's the overflowing fountain of life. Now, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, Father, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. So there it is. Uh, God wants us to know him as our very source of life. He is, so when we say, and by believing, you may have life in his name, or you may have eternal life. It's not just that the life goes on and on forever. It does that. But it's a quality of life that has broken into the present right now. It's like his life has broken in in our lives. He saved us. He's done it. And he's rescued us out of our darkened, evil thinking minds that don't think rightly about him you know, one of the biggest calls to repentance over and over again that I make in this church is that you would repent from your way of thinking about God and align with Jesus' way of thinking about God. It's, it's the most important repentance of all because he is the one who brings the revelation of what God is really like. We can't get from us to God. God has to re- reveal himself to us. He is the word face to face with the Father from all eternity. And he has revealed God to us, the image of the invisible God, the radiance of the glory of God. This, in spite of me, is preaching. (laughs) Lifting up the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the overflowing fountain of life, but he's the overflowing fountain of love. Hit another one. Um, I'm going to do more preaching conditioning Get in shape. I preach. Verse 4, John 17, verse 4. I've brought you glory on the earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. So there's a pre-creation glory that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit shared together. And he's going to say specifically what that is in verse 24. Father, I want those you've given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory that you've given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. So there it is. We look to Jesus and we see the son who reveals the shared love of the father and the son in the communion of the Holy Spirit. That is just, here's a tip. Look at Jesus and think Trinity. Just We're looking at Jesus, but we're thinking Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Because that's what he's doing. He's revealing Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One author I've read a bunch down through the years, got over in England, his name's Michael Reeves. And he asked this question that I just think is fascinating. Just ask, ask yourself, imagine, what was God doing before creation? What was God doing 
before creation. And the fact that Jesus lets us in on this is a powerful revelation. We talked about it last semester as we went through the letter to the Ephesians, that God had a plan out of the fullness of his love to adopt us into his family. That was God's plan before creation was to adopt us, to bring us into his family of love. So what was God doing before creation? He was loving. You know, so, uh, so here's another, he was Father, Son, Holy Spirit, love. So here's another thought experience. What if God, instead of being Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, was a single solitary God? You know, what would, what would that God have been doing? Kind of like Allah. Some of you guys may think sometimes now, are we talking about the same God? No, we're not. No, in fact, on every mosque around the world, it says Allah has no son. So that's, that's not the Trinitarian faith. That's not the Christian faith. So if God's by himself, what is he doing? Well, he's sitting by himself, maybe on a throne. Thr- wait, wait, no, he doesn't have a throne because there's nothing to rule. Uh, and he's not loving unless he's loving himself. And Jesus defines love as agape. It's self-giving, other-centered love that's willing to die for, lay down the life for, surrender, offer in compassion, a, a, a willfulness to serve the other. It's about the other. So a single solitary God would have to learn that somehow later, or it would be selfish. So there was something needed for that single solitary God to have to actually be able to love someone else. Making sense? It's just like, wow, that blows my mind. So, so John 17, 26, he finishes the high priestly prayer. And he says, Father, I've made you known to them, and I will continue to make you known in order that the love that you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Boom. October 11th, 1993, that became my favorite verse in the Bible because it blew my mind. I realized I don't understand this yet, but Jesus is praying that I would have the Father's love for him. It changed my orientation to a Jesus focus. Keep your eyes on Jesus and he's gonna lead you into truth and righteousness and grace and love and everything that we need to truly be human and express humanity in the way that he wants us to. So uh, he's an overflowing God of life, love, and light. We look to the Son, and we see the Father. You know, we just Jesus brings the light of the Father to us. He says in John 8, verse 12, what? I am the light of the world. We are groping in darkness apart from the light that Jesus brings. The light in his person, but I mean, he's also the light of the world that shines into the darkness, as John 1 says. He's the light shining into the darkness. And so now we've got this connection between the overflowing God of glory and his light. So it's not just his love, and it's not just his light, uh, life, but it's also his light. So glory and light also go together. Isn't that great? There's a lot you can say about the glory of God, but I mean, isn't that great? So like in Ezekiel chapter one, he has a vision and he sees a man in outshining light there. You can kind of see the connection between Jesus and the light and the glory of God. Go to the end of the the entire Bible and there's no more sun. 
Because God is our light. Jesus, the lamb, is our light. We don't need the sun anymore. So the light of God is the glory of God too. That's just beautiful. Yeah, Jesus, I said it earlier, Hebrews 1, 3, is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the outshining perfection of God put on display in visible form for us. He's the image of God. And he wants us to be shaped more and more into that image. We're broken, we mess up, we get discouraged. Somebody say amen. That's just our human condition. But Jesus has come to make things right. And here's a few ways this gets worked out in our lives. And one of them is grace. Romans chapter five, verse 15. But the gift is not like the trespass, talking about Adam's sin. He says, for if the, by the, if the many died by the one trespass, by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? And the point Paul's trying to make here is, if, if Adam brought sin into the world for everyone, how much more is the grace of the man, the Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, going to be then Adam's ability to bring sin? How much more can he bring life to humanity? Ah. So, so it's overflowing grace. His grace overflows. His hope overflows. Romans 15 verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope overflowing with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So God, our overflowing God is life, overflowing love, overflowing light, overflowing grace, overflowing hope, and overflowing, last word, mission. This is a way, not just of talking about God in something that he does, but something that he is in his person. Because if he's overflowing other-centered love, it, even the logic of creation itself is to create us, to bring us into that family, is to overflow. Like God is an overflowing God. That's, that's like who he is. And so mission then flows out of the very fullness of the heart of God. He is the abundant fountain of giving love. It moves out and beyond. I, just, I think that's a good way of saying the logic of creation. How does, how does it have the word of creation? That's Jesus. Jesus is the logic of creation. Jesus is the logic of God. He's the word of God made manifest. This overflowing fountain of grace and life and love. Um, yeah, so John Flett, in his book, The Witness of God, says God's apostolic movement into the world is not a single step alongside who he actually is, not a second step alongside who he actually is in and for himself. God the Father sends the Son and the Spirit from all eternity in the distinction and unity that is his own perfect life. That's in your notes so that you can chew on it more. I know you have to think about that, but, but uh, just this morning I just found a couple quotes and got John to stick in a couple more. And, and so now I'm going to quote myself, um, this next slide, <laughs> it's in some writing I've done, it's weird. In other words, I'm trying to explain this, in other words, God is sending, God sending his son and spirit is not secondary or derivative, 
but rather the sending is part of God's nature in that God is love. The same impetus in God that constitutes him as communal is the same impetus that constitutes him as redemptive, that is missional. Mission in this sense is understood as the outpouring of his love, the essence of who God is. One of the many significant implications from this observation is that the church must participate in the mission of God, not as a secondary action, not as optional, not as an elective on your college possibilities. It's imperative. It's, It's in the heart of God. It's not secondary. It's a part of her identity. Mission is no longer optional. It's part of imitating the life of God and bearing his image. Isn't that good? So, uh, yeah, so God, I'm making this point here. God is an overflowing God, and then he wants us to be an overflowing people. Moving on. We want to be an overflowing people shaped by the image of God. When you see me doing this, it's like, I I want us to be a a church that's being shaped by the image of God, by the beauty, the relational dynamic of love that's overflowing to the world around us, to to the city around us, to the region, state, nation, nations. All the efforts over these last bunch of years, sending hundreds of people out because of the overflow of life that's happening here. We're not asking somebody to go somewhere else and do something that we're unwilling to do here. We want to experience that life right here, that kind of worship, that kind of power and passion and healing and joy in the kingdom and the reign of God coming here and now. And be like Jesus who came and showed us what humanity was supposed to look like, living by the life of another. Like he always did that. He only did what he saw his father doing. He only said what he heard his father saying. He was totally dependent and expressing that dependence upon God as a human. So Philippians says, though he was God, yet he didn't hold on to it. He made himself nothing, dependent on his father and obedient even all the way to death. He's the great mediator, bringing God and humanity together in his person. Oh, man. Is good. God is enough then. He's an overflowing fountain for us. Uh, you know, just he is our never ending Niagara. And it's good news. It's not just we're compelled to serve him. We, we want to serve him. We want to be like him. We want to flow in that same uh, kind of love and expression of self giving to the, the world around us. And sometimes, like this last run here, we get down or we get poured out or we get empty and we keep turning back to the Lord again. God is enough. He is enough life for us. He is enough love for us. He is enough light for us. He is enough hope for us. He's got enough grace for us. And this mission is is what we want to participate in the mission, not as an optional add-on, not as a 501, 601 graduate class, but as part of what it means for us to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And that's kind of a little bit of theology that goes behind the Great Commission. That's the theology behind the Great Commission. Now, all authority has been given to me, Jesus says. Now, go make disciples. Baptize them. Immerse them in this reality. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Baptize them into this name. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Make disciples of all people. And I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you 
to the very end of the age. It's such, I like that. Now the commission makes more sense. It's out of the overflowing love and heart of God. And, and John 20, verse, verse 21. Here's what one guy I love named Ross Hastings he calls this the greatest commission, the, the greatest commission. You got the great commission, but this is the great, the great co-mission, like hyphen, because God is inviting us into his mission. Verse 20, peace, after he said this, he showed him his hands. They were overjoyed. And again, verse 21, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive sins, they're forgiven. If you don't, they're not. So we are also then uh, called to this, this mission of being an overflowing people and participating in the mission of God. Everyone matters to God. Just gonna let that park there for a second. Everyone matters to God. Because of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. He assumed our humanity. Europeanness and Africanness and every other continent and people group. He assumed us to deal with us and to bring salvation to the world. Uh, man, it's so good. You know, we are connected. We really are connected all around the world with our brothers and sisters in every tribe, language, nation, and tongue. It kind of puts this famous quote from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. into perspective. It's good that we uh, quote letters from a Birmingham jail this weekend, right? On this weekend. But he says, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. We are connected because God is a connecting God. <laughs> He's the relational God of love. That's who our God is. And what another cool quote here, similar flow from Desmond Tutu, Archbishop Tutu, makes a similar point when he states, we say that a person is a person through other persons. I love that. There's no other way to be a person, by the way, except through other persons. We were made for togetherness. We live in a delicate network of inter interdependence. The totally self-sufficient person is subhuman. For none of us comes fully formed into the world. I need other human beings in order to be human myself. I would not know how to walk, talk, think, behave as a human person except by learning it all from other human beings. The summum bonum, like the, the highest thing, is communal harmony. Anger, hatred, resentment, all are corrosive of this good. If one person is dehumanized, then inexorably, we are all diminished and dehumanized in turn. So let me wrap this up where I'm going today. Got four things here. What this means for us is, if you want to flash those up, just practically it means that we want to order our lives as disciples growing 
in our knowledge of God, revealed in the sending of the Son and the sending of the Spirit, knowing Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, revealed in these scriptures to us through the apostolic witness that points to the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? So, first thing is we're growing in our knowledge of God together. Second thing, we order our lives to community. So we can't do it by ourselves. We order our lives to Jesus, to the God he reveals in the scriptures, and to community, church life that can encourage us when we're down and speak life to us. I mean, I'm just sitting here worshiping, kind of minding my own business. Micah comes over with a word, super encouraging, like just super encouraging. And I wouldn't have gotten that word if I wasn't standing there this morning. You know, we need each other together to live this thing out. We order our lives to mission in and through the church and in our personal lives. So these are just, these are practical outflowings of the overflowing God and overflowing people. And then finally, we order our lives to sustainable disciplines and practices that support growth. Okay? So let's just think about, I'm going to talk about some practicals here for just a second, but our disciplines are not bummer things that are legalism. You know, it's not like, I, I don't spend time with Jesus every morning for these decades because it's, I just feel like it's something I gotta check off my list. Like, life is way better starting my day with Jesus. You know, I remember one time years ago, a guy had a breakthrough when I talked about brushing, brushing my teeth. And that was the breakthrough for him. He had a breakthrough about oh, yeah, I don't think about brushing my teeth as a legalism. It's just, it's better. It's better for me. It's better for the world around, around me. And that was the breakthrough. So if that'll work for you, then take that. But, but just, we get a, there's desires in our heart for God. And then disciplines are what we walk through. So maybe they seem hard at first, but we have a desire and we walk through some discipline and that leads to great delight in our lives, joy. Like it's joyful to be in the presence of God with brothers and sisters. It's joyful to be in the place of worship. It's joyful to be in the place of prayer. It's not a bummer. Now, James and I were talking about this the other day. It's like sometimes it's hard to get over to the prayer meeting, different ones we have. And we get in there and we walk out and we're like, man, that was encouraging. Just being in the presence of God with other brothers and sisters, Right? So um, I, I'm going to put just, if you'll uh, get there, just put it on your schedule. I mean, if you have to put it on the schedule like any other appointment you're going to keep, put Jesus appointment on, on the calendar, and it, it's worth it. And I've, I've taught on this for years. It is, uh, it's just so important. You get in there, and I'm going to just, I'm breaking it down even more. I'm gonna, I got this from Rich Viotis. Thank you, Rich like Rich would be watching our service. Um, he's a pastor in uh, New York City in Queens. But uh, he's got a book called The Deeply Rooted Life. It's just on kind of some key practices. And, uh, but he's got, just breaking it down real simple. Here we go on a simple approach to time with God. This is what I was doing a week ago Tuesday when the Lord just sudden, he, he, I didn't even ask him to speak to me. And I heard that phrase, can your emptiness outlast my fullness? Like it just, he interrupted my stillness time with a killer, with a really cool word, you know? And so enjoy the simple presence of God in silence without the need to offer words. So just be there. 
Just sometimes you say something, sometimes you don't. But just, just give, put a timer on it. Just, I'm gonna be silent for three minutes. And just be still. Like, this is one of the biggest needs in our world right now. Blaise Pascal said in the, whatever that was, 1600s or something, he said, the, uh, all of man's problems stem from his inability to sit alone in his room by himself. Now just think about that. Just being able to sit there, like, that pretty much covers world peace and <laughs> all the internet, all the trash, and it just covers it right there. Okay, so enjoy the presence of God in silence. I'm just saying, this could be 15 minutes, 10. Presence of God. Listen for God's word to me in scripture for this particular moment. So again, back to this example a week and a half ago, it was, I heard Psalm 1611. It was, in your presence is the fullness of joy. I needed to hear that. And I heard Ephesians 319. Just, just the, you're gonna grow into the fullness, the full measure of God, you know? And so then thoughtfully express to God the thoughts and feelings of my mind and heart. So it's just, just praying. I mean, that's a really simple three-step outline. I put it in my prayer journal so I could remember it. If I get stuck, I'm gonna do that. that that's just where I'm at right now. And you guys know, I mean, I got 92 ways I can empower and equip and, and help you have a quiet time with God. It's been a life message, really, but it's just very simple. Rich goes on and says, I begin with two minutes of silence, read one to three Psalms. This, you got a little more time. Followed by a gospel reading, a few verses in an epistle, write a prayer. It's something that's on my heart. I'll do that with the Lord. I, I found that sometimes I can't, uh, some, one reason it's important to write praises and prayers is you, I try to think about so many different things and if I'm writing, I can only think about that one thing. Just a thought. Everybody needs a journal whether it's electronic or paper, just, I just encourage you in that, be free, but you just, again, the weakest ink is better than the strongest memory. Yeah, so, and then close by slowly praying our Father, just our Father in heaven, and you can just go, it, sometimes you can't just pray it straight through, because our Father, and you get wrecked, your kingdom come, you know, your will be done, just on, on and on. Hallowed be your name, okay? So uh, I did want to mention, uh, I put in uh, the app. So if everybody has the Antioch Fort Worth app, um, I put a, it's a pretty, actually, a, it's a 28-page document, PDF document from John Mark Comer, How to Unhurry. Everybody, everybody, if you, if you can, uh, one book that would be good to read is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It is like a word for our culture right now. And How to Unhurry just has some practices that flow from that book. Silence and Solitude. I'm forgetting the second one. Uh, Sabbath. Simplicity. Thank you. Simplicity. Uh, and, and then Slowing Down. Slowing Down. Those are all, and it's great stuff. I'm not all the way through the thing, but you can, that's a great resource for you there. Uh, Kim had a quote for me from the Desert Fathers through Pete Scazzaro, the three greatest enemies. These guys lived from the 300s to the 500s. All these guys would go out in the desert in North Africa and just live in silence by, with God and themselves. And uh, the three greatest enemies to the inner journey with God were, at that time, hurry, crowds, and noise. <laughs> I thought, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty relevant quote from the Desert Fathers, Right? 
Things haven't changed much. So why is all of this that I'm saying this morning so important? Just wrap this up. We're almost done. Why is it so important? People are desperately trying to be happy. People are trying to be happy. People in culture are trying desperate measures. In our culture, that we were made to receive fullness from God, and when we try to fill it up with other stuff, it does not work. It doesn't last. It, it distorts us. You know, and so we're open to all kinds of deceptive ideas that play to our disordered desires and that are normalized in a messed up, fallen world. And so we have to realign to God, to Jesus. We were made to receive from God, not go digging through the trash cans and the garbage dumps of culture in desperate attempts to fill up what only God can fill up. And I'm talking about all kinds of food stuff and alcohol stuff and addictions and sin and porn and all the stuff that's just trashy that gets inside of us that will never, ever fill us up. It, it, it won't work. It won't last. And whatever other dark thing that I just didn't mention, I think even unforgiveness is thinking you'll be happier somehow. You know, we've been singing this song. I'll, I'll finish with this. Aaron, come on up, uh, team. Um, you guys can stand up, in fact. I've been singing these songs. Uh, how's it go? I want to be, be spilled out. And I don't know about you. It's an upper room song. We've been singing it for the last three, three weeks or so. And Aaron said it was his song right here at the start of 2022. I want to be spilled out. And I'm like, uh you ever like, you look at the words and you're like, oh, that's challenging. I want to be spilled out. And just so you know, when I drive to the, to the building on Sunday mornings, uh, Kim and I come separate. I come a lot earlier than she does. And for the last, I don't know, year and a half or two years, I've been playing Jesus culture, fill me up. So which one is it? I want to be spilled out or I want to be filled up. It's both. It's both. God wants us to be a conduit for the love, grace, life, blessing of, of God in the world around us. So as we respond to the Lord today, um, if I could get the ministry team to come on up, um, we're just wanting, we want to tap into the Lord here. We want to tap in and turn intentionally to be filled up with him. Uh, you know, um, everybody needs an encounter with God. And the, you know, the, the goal of rich theology, like I'm preaching to you, is that you would have an encounter with God. It would tie theology and the experience of God together in, in a practical way, that we would encounter the living Lord, that we would repent from our way of living and turn to God's way of living that we would turn from our broken, fallen ideas, our judgments about what should happen in the world today and repent to the way of God. That's, that's what I'm saying. Is that clear? And so just as we're praying today, as we're praying, if the front fills up, then just pray with somebody you came with. But man, let's, let's pray some of this in. And, and I just, I want 
My heart right here at the beginning of 2022 is that you would know Jesus for yourself personally, that Jesus Christ came into the world, became a baby, took on, assumed our humanity in order to deal with us. He lived a perfect life of offering to the Father and went to the cross to die for the sins of the world. He went into the tomb and was raised on the third day by the power of God and declared with power through the resurrection from the dead to be the true King and the true Lord of the world. That's who Jesus is. He's ascended to the right hand of the Father now and He's poured out His Spirit and He's coming again. He's coming again to restore all things in heaven on earth together. So put your faith in Jesus Christ. Turn from your way of living and put your faith in Jesus. And you may need help doing that. Pray with somebody that you came with. If that's you for this, there's nothing like it. It's the most important decision anybody that knows Jesus has ever made is to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to know you. I want to walk with you. Let's start that year off this way. You can have that life and that life and that love and that light and grace and hope, but it's found in Jesus. It's always found in Jesus, you guys. Keep looking to him, turning to him. And then again, just as always, if you have any kind of need, burden on your heart, don't leave without getting somebody to pray for you. Maybe you need healing. Maybe you got a family member. I mean, pray for me. Pray for me. I just, you know, my mom got taken to the hospital last night. I said this, thought she was having a heart attack. You get, you, there's things that are happening in our world all around us that aren't necessarily this message. But please pray for each other. And let's see the breakthrough in 2022. Let's respond to the Lord right now. Whatever your need is, go for it. Meet us, Lord. We love you. We want to see you as the overflowing source of our lives. Yeah.